Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. This is going to be an exceptional show with my guest, Curtis Sumblom. And Curtis and I are actually friends. I don't always know my guests prior to these podcasts, but in this particular case, we do know each other. And I want you to know that Curtis is the Director of Advancement and Philanthropy for the Boys and Girls Clubs of West San Gabriel Valley and the East Side. And we are also, in how we met, we are both members of the Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary. Welcome to the show, Curtis. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here to, uh, to share my story with you. Absolutely, because you know, Curtis, that's what this is all about, Alfie. What's your story? We all have stories. They're not all the same. They don't all take the same road to get to where we are. But I know one thing about both you and myself, and that is we are grateful people. And when you are grateful and you have purpose, it does come across. And I, I, and it's going to be quite apparent as people listen today. And so I thought where we could start is to just learn a little bit about your background, Curtis, because you have a very interesting background. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I grew up in a small town called Yucaipa, which is here in Southern California in the Inland Empire. Grew up there. I have a sibling, um, a younger brother. Both of my parents divorced early as a child, and I grew up um, experiencing a lot of great times, a lot of challenging times, but those experiences led me to ultimately where I am today. Um, I went to California State University, San Bernardino. I graduated with my degree in public relations, and from an early on um, standpoint, I wanted to work in the nonprofit world. I started a philanthropy effort there on campus to support St. Jude Children's Hospital and was the executive director of that program for just about five years. Um, And it still continues to this day. So it's really exciting to be able to look back and see, you know, the footprint of something that you started that's still doing the work today. And um, soon after I graduated, I joined the corporate ladder. I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car for six and a half, almost seven years. And um, through that opportunity, I was a leadership giver through the United Way and made connection with Boys and Girls Clubs, volunteered for about a year and a half, coming to various events and career days and um, all kinds of fun things to mentor with the kids. And um, the CEO uh, um, had asked me to join the board of directors. So I was on the board of directors for almost two years and then was asked to um, join the professional staff in my role as the director of advancement and philanthropy. And I've been in this role now almost three and a half, four years. Um, And through that experience, I've met um, dozens of 
organizations throughout the Los Angeles area and Southern California and started working with a handful of them to <clears throat> provide services that they weren't able to necessarily afford to pay someone to do in the resource development world in fundraising and strategy and marketing and communications. And so I, I work with a couple of organizations consistently, one of which is Omni Peace Foundation. They have built a music school in Rwanda, pretty remarkable organization, life-changing mm-hmm. experience, being able to travel. And another is um, the uh, Harold Robinson Foundation. They work with underserved communities and kids in the Watts community and being able to provide services for their organization is also very rewarding. So <clears throat> I'm very passionate about what I do. I, I feel if I had the experiences growing up in a Boys and Girls Club, life would be different, but um, that's why I'm, I, I love being able to work in the capacity of which I do. I, I love to say I work for the kids and families, not necessarily with them as I'm not involved in program, but I help raise the money and the funds and bring in the opportunity to help the organization um, provide its services, if that makes sense. It, it makes total sense. The only term I w- I mean, obviously, you're all familiar with the word philanthropy. Um, what does advancement mean? I, I just out of curiosity, I don't know how what the context yeah. of advancement means. Uh, well, it's, it's, in essence, it's the same um, as a resource development being able to advance the organization forward um, financially with its sustainability, bringing in strategy and implementing programs and efforts and systems to be able to sustain the organization through time. So it's advancement in that. I see. Well, thank you for explaining explaining that to me. Um, Obviously, anyone that's listening to this and those of us that know you personally, whether they – whether it's through the Boys and Girls Clubs or it's through Rotary, um, you have a passion. It's, it's obvious, it's clear, and it's meaningful. And I thought maybe you could just, we're going to be spending the rest of this hour really talking about the Boys and Girls Clubs and particularly yours. But let's just start off with, so what are your responsibilities um, at the Boys and Girls Clubs of the West San Gabriel Valley and East Side? So my responsibility is a wide range of um, things from fundraising strategies, major events, planning, every aspect of a major event from, you know, table linen to securing the top donors or sponsors. Um, I'm responsible for our relationships and our government um, officials and all levels of local, county, state, federal, um, making sure that our club has the relationships there to navigate those waters, as well as our corporate partnerships. We do a lot of cause campaigns, um, things such as our back to school with GAP, Old Navy, Buffalo Wild Wings, you name it, um, all of those kinds of fun things that come through the corporate side responsible for that in my department, um, as well as stewardship and, and um, donor management and making sure that we are staying in communication with our donors on a consistent basis. We're recognizing them in um, everything that they do for our club and sustainability. And then as well as also um, finding new resources and opportunities that extend from just experiences, like if I get some tickets donated by um, someone to go to a Dodgers game or Disneyland Mm -hmm. for the day, all the way to securing scholarship funds for kids post high school in their future. 
um, as well as major gifts and opportunities for the club to advance into different areas. So knowing, you know, especially during the pandemic and post-pandemic, aligning ourselves with where the funding is coming from and being able to move within those waters is really important. So that's also a part of my responsibility is just wow. being on the forefront of where the money is coming and how it's coming um, to make sure that we are in alignment with those opportunities. Man, do you ever sleep? Holy cow, dude, you really, that's, that's, a, that's a lot what you just described. I, wow. As somebody that worked for the YMCA for 10 years, um, I understand a little bit about what you just said. I was on the membership side as opposed to the fundraising side. Well, I, we're all fundraisers when you work in a nonprofit. So, but what you're doing mm-hmm. is just spectacular. And for many people, they've heard of the Boys and Girls Clubs, but maybe they don't really know a lot about the history. So I thought maybe we could just take a minute or two and let's look back at the history of that first club. Can you can you give us some background on that? Sure. So Boys and Girls Clubs of America had its beginnings in 1860 with three women in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, who believed that boys who roamed the streets should have a positive alternative. And they organized the first club that focused on character development as the cornerstone of their experience. Um, and over the over time it advanced to where it is now. In 1906, it became national as the Federated Boys Club in Boston. It had 53 clubs at that time. Um, Until then, in about 1956-1960, at its 50th anniversary, they received a congressional charter recognizing their work, also including girls at that time. And the organization rebranded itself to the Boys and Girls Club of America in 1990 to recognize the fact that girls were a large part of their membership at that time. Oh, that's very interesting. That, that, that's, that's so interesting um, that you said that because, you know, when I think about the word boys and girls clubs, I always do ans- I always add the word girls to this, but it sounds like um, it was, it was, but let, before we go over to the girls part about this, why would you say it was so important back in those days and, you know, you know, all those years ago? Why do you think it was so important when it first got started? I think, you know, when there were these individuals who came together to create this, it was at a time in, in the country where there was a lot of uncertainty financially within families and a lot of struggle and a lot of need. A lot of um, boys and girls at that time, but the focus was on the boys who found themselves um, orphaned or, you know, without um, parental figures to be able to guide them into, you know, a successful um, character development to their future and becoming responsible citizens as adults. So because of all the struggles and the needs of that time period, there really was a focus on making sure that there was a philanthropy effort put forward to help um, these young boys be able to become successful in their future, not having a solid foothold with their families to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so it, when did it become, so the Boys and Girls became the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. When did it actually rebrand itself to be that? So it you rebranded its name in 1990 to recognize 1990. the fact that there are girls that are a large part of the cause. Yes. Um, and it was changed 
from Boys Club of America, which even at that time, it still had girl membership, but the girls sure. it was just a part of Boys Club of America. But uh-huh. in the 1990s, that's when it rebranded itself. And um, because now, as of today, there's over 4,000 autonomous clubs within the, the branded network of Boys and Girls Club of America across the country. So it's pretty remarkable. Wow. There are over 4,000 Boys and Girls Clubs across the U.S. Wow. Yes, that's, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> All that's, autonomous that's, for themselves. Right, right. Uh, but but I bet, well, let me not make any presumptions here. Should I presume, but they, everyone has the same mission? We all, yeah. So every Boys and Girls Club is designed organizationally to um, be branded in the same ways, all with the same mission to enable all young people, especially those who need us most, to reach their full potential as productive, caring, and responsible citizens. Um, it's just what I mean by autonomous is our, our leadership and the way um, the clubs are managed and operate can vary between club to club, all with their own CEO, their leadership staff, their own models. That framework is autonomous to each club and how they operate. But mm-hmm. as a kid, going in from to one club to another, you're always going to feel like this is my Boys and Girls Club because they have similar programs for kids and its delivery and its framework. And so you won't know, notice necessarily the, the difference by being a club kid walking in from one to the other. Right. And and if somebody was just listening to this, would they would they presume that this is an after-school program? Yes. I think traditionally it was always an after-school um, enrichment program opportunity to be able to give the mentorship, the guidance, and the um, – character development piece to the after-school enrichment areas ever since the pandemic, ours included especially, um, really kind of became wraparound services, crisis center, providing food, meals, everything, the whole gamut from A to Z. But if it was summertime, could the children still Mm -hmm. go to the Boys and Girls Club when school is not in session? Summer. Okay, so it's year-round. completely transformed. It is year-round, yes, and then during the summer, it becomes a, a full day where it's um, opportunities for them to bridge the gap between learning loss, if there was learning loss, especially during the pandemic, or mm-hmm. um, being able to have extracurricular activities, enrichment through STEM and learning opportunities, and right. then as well as field trips and all the other all the other programs that kind of go in with that that. Ter- yeah, we're gonna fun. we're gonna we're gonna talk about these programs. But before we get there, I would just like to congratulate all of you associated with your boys and girls clubs of San Fernando. I said San Fernando, but that isn't what I meant. The West San Gabriel Valley and the East Side, because you just, I believe it was this past October, celebrated your fiftieth year. Is that correct? Yes, this is our golden anniversary year. Wow. Our club here in Monterey Park, our flagship club, um, the main branch, as we call it, where all of our administrative offices are, has been open since 1972 in the city of Monterey Park. Um, so we're celebrating 50 years of doing whatever it takes to, um, you know, continue t- to thrive in the community and help our families. Great. Well, so let's take a, a lot's happened in 50 years. 
um, you weren't certainly here 50 years ago. I can say I was, but, um, you know, let's talk <laughs> about the, the history of the West St. Gabriel Valley, the, the clubs there. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just curious kind of how, how what that history is all about oh. in your particular club. I'm sorry. That was the, so no, what's no, the question, no, no Marsha? That is the question, my friend. <laughs> You're yeah, up. no problem. Uh, so our club was founded here in 1972 by the Thomas family. Um, they set up an opportunity for the organ, for the club. At that point, it was still boys club here in Monterey Park, and so it gave them a space, the kids, uh, a space to be able to come and feel safe and be nurtured by um, a, amazing club staff that um, was able to help, you know, guide them and give them the skills they needed to become now productive citizens. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty remarkable. I, I mean, I really, it, when you think about all of the young people that were 10 years old when they first started coming are in their 60s now it's it's i i'd like to think i don't know what 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 comes to my mind curtis is i'm thinking to myself if i was that young girl that came to the boys and girls clubs when i was a young child have i come back and wanted to volunteer or do something that made such an enormous impact. Do you ever find that some of these young people mm-hmm. come back to you in some form, whether they're donors or volunteers or anything like that? Oh, 100%. We have a handful of alumni who grew up club kids who are business owners, um, some of which are city officials for various communities around the Los Angeles suburb areas that come back, they give back um, their time, their energy, their money, um, and it's really remarkable to be able to see that kind of impact because it goes full circle. It's really changed their life, and they have a sense of um, responsibility to continue to give back to sure. the organization that gave to them, and so it's really remarkable. I mean, over the last 50 years, we've had over 175,000 registered members just at the club alone, which is a remarkable number, and we've served over 85 million dollars and services that, that we've provided. We've served over 10 million meals, <clears throat> over 50,000 wow. after-school pickups, and our last report data indicates 98% of our grad, our kids who graduate, they graduate with a plan with a future. So it's really remarkable the impact that the club is able to have on our kids mm-hmm. and our families and the community. It completely changes the dynamic from generation to generation because it ends a lot of the systemic issues that, that you know, plague generations, whether that's poverty or the way of thinking, cultural mm-hmm. um, beliefs and things like that. So it just, it, it really opens the door, as the motto says, you know, the club really does whatever it takes to provide the opportunities for kids to escape their challenges and become who they want to be. And there's a handful of alumni who are did Coca-Cola, or the Pasadena Tournament of Roses, um, various major league uh, baseball teams or the basketball leagues. I mean, there are alumni all over the place, not to mention national spokesperson and alumni like, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Denzel Washington and a handful yes. of um, celebrities, celebrities. folks sure. that are famous. I don't, I don't even know the count of how many presidents were Boys and Girls 
club members. Wow. But Wouldn't that be? There's a handful of U.S. presidents that were members as well. So it's it's really remarkable. <clears throat> it is. You know, Curtis, you made me. You, I visualize something right now in my in my mind. I hope that I'm visualizing this correctly. Do boys and girls clubs back in the day have buses that said boys and girls clubs on it? Were they using it as a transport to get them from schools to the clubs? Did I did I used to see that? You might have because each club will have its own um, transport mode of transportation or its own fleet. Yes. Some clubs may or may not, depending on the resources. Like our club here, we have a fleet of. 20 or 25 vans and buses that vans, we use right. on a daily basis to pick up kids from school and bring them here to the clubhouses. I, I remember seeing that. So within your, your West San Gabriel Valley Eastside clubs, how many clubs are actually within your service area? Sure, so we serve the communities of Boyle Heights, Lincoln Heights, the East Los Angeles area, Monterey Park, La Puente, um, and Hacienda Heights, the whole San Gabriel Valley corridor. So we have five clubhouses and 17 after-school site locations that are within LAUSD and Hacienda Heights Unified School District. So altogether, it's about, what, 24 or 25 clubs that we operate and maintain, altogether mm-hmm. with a service area of 7,000 kids and families that we serve on an annual basis. Wow, that's a lot. That must be so... I mean, when I hear you say that, I mean, my hand goes to my heart because I know what impact the YMCA has in in communities and and after-school programs and things like that because I was associated with them for so long. But not everybody has access to to the YMCA. And I I, I just think that your legacy is quite impressive. And how old, we haven't really talked about this, so how old are the kids that belong to your, to your clubs? What, what is their age range? So we serve um, youth between the ages of 6 and 18. They could be 5 if they started, like at the later end of 5 if they're in school, uh-huh. um, and 18 if they're still in school as well. So that's the, traditionally the makeup of our of our youth that we serve. However, we do have alumni who graduate and still come back and receive services from the club who are fresh out of high school in vocational trainings and their universities and their community college, wherever, you know, they find themselves. We have people that come back and they continue to receive services to support them. And we've expanded, (coughs) sorry, we've expanded ever since the pandemic. We've now started serving our elderly community and our families as a whole, as a whole unit. We just launched uh, in partnership with the organization, the Salesian Family Youth Center in Boyle Heights, we launched a full-fledged swimming program that during the day has our senior citizens in swim programs. So it's pretty pretty remarkable. It's expanded its services quite a lot. So the majority of our our membership is um, our 6 to 18 group. That's our main focus. Mm -hmm. But we've Mm -hmm. branched out into some other program areas that have allowed for – other members of our community to participate and, and be served. So you're ba- that's terrific. So you're basically talking first grade through high school in that correct. age range about, correct? Yeah. So um, correct. That, is just, that is just terrific. But the fact 
that you've recognized the need um, in the um, senior population. It's, it, it's as if, well, and you know, because of, of who you are, where there, if, you, if there's a need, you want to fill it. And, and I think yep. that that's wonderful. So I'm just curious about this, though. Is there a charge to be part of this? There is a membership charge to being a part of the club. Um, however, we never turn away a family or, or a child with the inability to pay for our membership. So the majority of our kids are typically scholarshiped into program. And that's where my job comes in play and my team and my resource development department. And that's also why we, we raise money is to be able to support all of the thousands of kids and families who can't financially afford to make a, a, mm-hmm. a membership payment. So um, the majority of our kids are scholarshiped. I see. Well, and like you say, that's, that, that money has to come from somewhere because your staff are not all volunteers and there's so. rent to be paid. <laughs> and, you know, there's insurance and all of the other things that go along with, with, with supporting a program like this. So um, if, if families can't afford it, you don't want to turn people away. And I, I really do think that that's just another outstanding thing. And I want to direct people, if I, I might have said this at the top of the hour, but I want to say it again. You have an outstanding website. And we're, I'm, I've got it in front of me as we're speaking. Um, I want to let people know if they go WSGVBGC.org, and I'll make sure that this is in, in, in writing for people to go there. They can go to this to this website because the the programs the programs that you offer are just incredible and I would really like to spend some time talking about these programs um, and and, I, and we must remember you know what I'm going to say this right now because it's facing me you I don't know what responsibilities you have for this my friend. But you have a huge gala coming up in three days, right? So maybe we'll talk <laughs> we to do, yeah. we'll talk about that at the very end because it's um uh it's your fifth annual music gala and you can't log on to this website and not see that because it's really cool. So but let's let's take our focus now to um the programs. So why don't we start with Whichever one you'd like to start with, I, I don't really care because they're all fantastic. <laughs> well, fantastic. Uh, right now, a big push that we've started and launched in 2020 was our kindness program. And that program really has evolved to teach students um, how to look inward, they show respect, treat everybody equally, how to be considerate of others. It provides our youth with the tools to empower them and to create a better understanding of what kindness is and mindfulness and teaches them to be able to extend that to others as well, to be able to regulate mm-hmm. their emotion and be able to identify triggers within others to help and, and extend just a loving hand to their peers and our community. And so we've done so many different things in our kindness program, including we've given out over $100,000 in rent relief to families to keep them from wow. being homeless. We've we purchased 
you, you know, um, appliances like washers and dryers, refrigerators that we've given to families. We've um, sponsored gas to give to their to families to help them pay for fuel with the increase to fuel costs. And um, we have an amazing donor, um, Lori Milgard, who supports our whole kindness effort and has given millions of dollars that go directly back into the pockets and the, the households of our families and kids to um, just instill that, that whole impact of just what kindness can do, whether that's a silent act of kindness or an outward show of expression of kindness. And that's just one program. And mm-hmm. um, it's one of our, our flagship programs that has also um, – received national recognition. We've um, been highlighted in the wash of the, um, oh my gosh, what is the name of that publication? Why am I spacing on it? (laughs) The Washington Post. Okay. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, we've been all over the news. We've probably had, um, I think the last count was uh, over 100 publications, whether that was in-person news audio clips or um, like radio blasts, print publications for our kindness work for the club. Uh And it's just really been a remarkable program. That's one of them. And um, the, the the Washington journals where we were in and um, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Another club that we have or another program is our Brent's club program. And that's through um, the Bob Shapiro and the uh, Ben Shapiro Foundation, whose son passed away from alcohol uh, incident, and so they launched a chari- a um, foundation to support substance-free um, programming. And so we um, launched Brent's clubs throughout different parts of the country in partnership with them, and um, it's where our kids every few weeks will be swabbed, volunteers, they'll swab, and based uh-huh. on their swabs and their substance-free, they receive all kinds of incentives from trips, experiences, um, scholarships. We have a number of students who receive full-time or uh, 100% scholarship to their universities, some of which have graduated mm-hmm. now, not, not having to pay one penny for their school um, wow. because they chose to be substance-free. So just this year, we've given out 20. We were... Our kids received uh, upwards of 20000 in scholarships um, just in this year alone, that program. So it's a pretty remarkable program to keep our teens substance-free and inspired to do so. And you of know, we have our sports and I, let me interrupt you. Let, let me interrupt oh, you mm-hmm. right there for just one moment. You can't not read the newspaper today and hear about what's going on on school campuses locally and across the country with fentanyl and with Mm -hmm. kids that are purchasing drugs illegally to get high and then dying. And I would imagine that this must be, for a parent, a nightmare thinking about, oh, my goodness, could my kid have got sucked up into something like that and I didn't even know it. So the fact that you are addressing this and that kids are willingly being tested is so important, and it must provide enormous relief for those families. It would for me. Oh, it definitely does, especially, you know, in communities that are really hit hard. And 
with drugs and the access that they have to drugs and alcohol and substance abuse um, is really heavy in some of our areas, like in our housing development, um, public housing sites in the Shotta Court, Termona Gardens, Lee Mead, and even in some of the more affluent areas as well, kids mm-hmm. still have a lot of access to be able mm-hmm. to get to these um, drugs. And so what Brent's Club does is it provides the education that they need to make an informed decision as to whether or not they want to try something. So it's not about just don't do it. It's let's educate you on what happens when you do do if, it and why you should not do. do it. Right. Yeah. And so that was also a, a big reason why we made it into the Wall Street Journal. I'm correcting myself, but not the Washington Journal. <laughs> Believe me, it's the Wall you know, Street Journal. You know what it reminds me of back in the day when my kids were in school was the D.A.R.E. program. That was what was yeah. very that was very big. It was very much structured into um, having your children, you know, not use marijuana or or any other drug that was out there Mm -hmm. in those days, or alcohol, like you said. So I think it's wonderful that there's that component um, program that that you have. And and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I I felt the need to mention that. You were going to mention another program because we really have time to review these phenomenal programs. Tell me about another program you have. Yeah, so um, we have a very robust um, sports and recreation program through Dodgers RBI and Mamba League and a few others where we have, you know, anywhere up to upwards of a 1,000 kids who are participating in after-school sports and recreation. Uh-huh. In fact, we just, we just finished a flag football season. So it's pretty awesome to keep our kids active and engaged in a healthy way. And during the pandemic, we were open every day, and that was one of the ways that we were able to continue to serve our kids because as everyone wanted to be outside, that gave us an opportunity to continue to be outside and not within right. closed spaces. So that's an amazing program in itself. Um, another outdoor program which has really kind of exploded into one of our flag, our flagship programs is our sailing program that we have yeah. in Marina Del Rey. We have yeah. just this summer alone over 1,000 sailors on the water. And it's really remarkable um, we have the support of our county beaches and harbor, and we have the support of Bel Air Bay Club and a handful of others, Silver Yacht Club, our our very own Rotary Club, of yeah. Clive and a Sunrise Rotary. Um, so there's a lot of um, partnerships in the community that support our efforts in the marina. In fact, our kids are there all year round. Uh, they're there Saturdays as well and on minimum days, um, but during the summer particularly, they're there five to six days a week. And wow. with these kids, we have the motto and, the, you know, we believe in beyond the walls here at the club where we take our kids out of the comfort of their neighborhoods, some of which have never left, you know, the public housing projects of East Los Angeles and that area um, because it's landlocked. They don't have access sure. to water. And you sure. think, oh, it should be easy to get to the water. Well, if your parents did not experience the beach or did not experience the water, most likely as a kid, you're not going to experience it either. So mm-hmm. we take our kids from the inner valleys and inner cities here in San Gabriel Valley on the east side of L.A. to the marina so they can experience the water. And we get a lot of feedback from our kids who share, you know, after they've graduated, they've left, you know, their fondest or their most amazing, most favorite memory at the club was being able to go sailing 
on a boat and being able to learn. They not just go out there on the water, but they're, they're, they're learning and they're getting licensed from the American Sailing Association, the American Canoe Association, and they're, being, they're able to put that on their resumes. So then they can share with college recruiters and future opportunities, I'm sailing certified, which is, is remarkable that you were to meet a kid from, you know, the housing developments in East L.A., and they're saying, right. oh, yeah, I go sailing every summer. I'm certified. So it's pretty pretty amazing pretty amazing is a video i am looking at this video right now as i'm speaking to you from the sailing club i was just there at the marina yesterday and listening to the seals barking so what, what mm-hmm. if a kid has never been by the water and and doesn't even know that seals bark not to mention exactly you know they're on the water it looks like it, it, it's not, is it, is it all ages, or is there a certain age requirement for being part of the sailing club? All ages. It's all, all ages. ages. All kids are welcome to come. We, we you know, obviously we'll, we'll put them in groups that are within their same age ranges. Right. And so um, they'll be out there for, you know, days at a time, for Anywhere from a, usually the program, but to be certified is one to two weeks long, um, but the curriculum spans the whole summer. That's included in that, and so um, it, it is an optional program. But as you can imagine, our just one of our favorites, our one of the favorites, the kids' favorites program. <laughs> I can see why, and you know, I happen to know people that um, crewing in college because they love the water so much that they yeah. learned about crewing. I think you, at one time UCLA had, their, and LMU used to have their crew team located right over in that same area, uh, which I understand yeah, is different do. from sailing. Do they still have that? I thought that they probably did. Um, well, I know and, that they have a rowing, a robust rowing program. Okay, maybe that's what it is. All right. Well, so let's hear about another program that, that you do. Yeah. How about uh, that? Another program that yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> Go on. Um, another program I'm so that excited. we have that we consider a flagship program is um, our Teen Post. It's our Young yes. Entrepreneurial Program. We have a storefront in Boyle Heights on Cesar Chavez and Soto, and it's an opportunity for our kids to learn how to become entrepreneurs. During the pandemic, and even before the right before the pandemic we saw an uprise in all of these younger generations becoming TikTok famous and Instagram famous, becoming, you know, building businesses. And we thought, how can we harness this opportunity? Well, we decided to launch a um, teen post. It's a storefront opportunity where kids will develop a business plan. That business plan will then go through production. We provide all the resources. So some of the examples, um, some of the kids will have their own, like, table front or tabletop or counter, sales counter with their products. Some create custom-made Starbucks cups. Some create jewelry. Some have their own fashion mm. lines. Some, it's a, some create candles. And what they do is they'll learn what it takes to run that business, the cost, the expenses, the difference between your gross profit, your net profit, you know, uh, what is your profit margin, and then what does it cost to put 
step back into creating more product and whether or not they were successful or not. That way it equips them with the ability to become entrepreneurial and it harnesses their creativity to launch a business because what we've also realized is, you know, we're, we're not here to just push kids into a traditional four-year university anymore. That's really not the case in today's world. It's not, you know, what's relevant. So we recognize the need to give our kids access to all kinds of experiences and opportunities for their future. Whether it is a four-year university, we have a career center that will help navigate those waters of FAFSA and financial aid, you know, and, and applications. And then we also have other workforce development areas, and this is one of them, where kids can use their creativity and harness that into a business. And um, that in itself has created a lot of opportunity. And it's right there in Boyle Heights on Cesar Chavez and Soto. And so I would welcome anyone to, to come by and say hello and sure. purchase a product because it goes right back to the kids. Pretty awesome, hey. and we've partnered with Loyola Marymount University. Yeah, we've had their business students come and teach and train and develop the program with us, and it's just it's a really remarkable space. You know, Curtis, we need to talk about this in our Rotary Club. I think it might be <laughs> just like we've had you know experiences where we've gone to places. I mean, you know, and we've supported you know, rise up against hunger and different things that we've done to support uh, organizations. A field trip out to your place really might be something we want to think about in this coming year to see for ourselves if there's maybe there would be a volunteer opportunity or something like that where we could come mm-hmm. and um, and see what you do. I think that would be I think that would be a really great thing for us to put in our mind slot about um, our Rotary Club. I wanted wanted to ask you about one other program, and that's your arts program, because that's another thing that you offer, mm-hmm. correct? We do. We have a very robust arts program. And there's actually most, all of these programs that I've shared with you today, there's a video that we've had done that captures the essence of every program. So listeners can visit our website and they can check out these videos and be able to see the amazing work that's being done. But our arts program, we have an amazing arts director who has, I think, 27 national awards for Boys and Girls of America. Um, A handful of our kids here have received numerous awards regionally, nationally, for the arts. And he uses mediums from spray paint to acrylics to um, working with power tools and, um, you know, baby version of wood shop. And it's just, Mm. it's incredible the work that he does. We have a sprinter van that pops open that he uses. I'm looking at it. Yep. Yeah. That's That's fabulous. Pop out. Literally, we pop open a club anywhere. And during the pandemic, this whole concept of pop-up club has really taken off where our arts program is a pop-up van. Our mental health and wellness has a pop-up van that does counseling with our families mm-hmm. out on site mm-hmm. at their homes. And then we have a kindness sprinter pop-up van and an RV, a fleet of mobile vans that pop open to provide services and be able to, for example, the arts. We can take the arts anywhere with this pop-up van. We can take our mental health and wellness programming anywhere. We can literally pop up in a park in a community that does not have a Boys and Girls Club 
and provide all the same services that you would get by coming to a physical clubhouse. Just, it's just, I don't know who put your website together, <laughs> but kudos to that person because, you know, we're having this conversation. You know, we're we're not in a studio together, but clearly, as you said, as I'm speaking with you and I'm watching these children learn how to use markers and paintbrushes while Lalo is explaining this to them. I, I, it's just it's just phenomenal. It, it really is. It's just great. And you have a, a, a very, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, you have a pretty big um, special event coming up, don't you? We do, yes. Yes, we do. It's our fifth annual Music Awards Gala. And it's an opportunity for us to showcase the musical talent of the arts. Um, Lalo is our creative arts director, and he oversees the programming in our music department as well. We have a full music studio, recording studio here at one of the clubhouses. And um, we provide a platform through an amazing opportunity with our gala to have our kids perform live on stage at the Vibrato Grill Jazz um, up in the Bel Air Beverly Glen Center up in Bel Air in the hills. And so mm-hmm. they get exposure with an amazing group of people and folks who support the club who now get to, to watch and listen to them perform, and they're really, really good. They're remarkable. And we also are able to recognize folks on our board and um, individuals who've just done the most for our club, um, including our, our Community Harmony Award recipient this year is Dr. Justin Renan. He has provided free dental care to over 60 kids at our club until they turn 18. And so it's just, this year especially is going to be remarkable because we get to honor him as well as we have Taylor Dane performing and we have a sold out show. It's, it's going to be remarkable. It's going to be just so much fun. Gosh. Wow. I don't know how you – we'll talk about this in a second. I want to know how you balance. But, are, you know, you've mentioned <laughs> so many things. Um, are there – if people are listening and are, are local, let's call them local, um, but I'm sure that this would apply to wherever a Boys and Clubs um, is located, are there volunteer opportunities? If somebody's listening to this and going, man – I want to volunteer. Is there a way that they can do that? Definitely. That's also a part of my responsibility at the club is to manage our volunteer opportunities. So we have plenty of opportunities from, especially during the holidays, food distributions. Like right now here in Monterey Park, we're going to be giving out 400 meals curbside for Thanksgiving. Um, During the holidays in our public housing sites, we're going to be giving out 150 grand in, in gift cards and food just to our families, hundreds of families throughout the east side. We're going to need help helping hands distributing food and and gifts. We have opportunities in our sports and recreation where people can volunteer to be um, referees and mentors, coaches. We even have opportunities in the marina if anybody wanted to volunteer um, in the sailing program. Every program Mm -hmm. we have, we have opportunities for volunteers who wanted to give their time, their expertise, And we also create opportunities based on someone's expertise. So if there's something that we might not already do that someone has an expertise in or would like to come and and provide, we create those special curated opportunities as well. 
do you do you ever speak directly like um i i believe your kids are in the are they in the LAUSD school district where they live we do yeah most of our kids half of our school district our, our kids are within LAUSD okay so do you ever have contact say with PTAs or PTOs whatever they're calling them today um and finding out if they are another resource that can come and because maybe they've identified something at their school that maybe they could oh, work yeah. in partnership with you? Yes, definitely. We we do have a handful of volunteers who come from our Alhambra Unified School District as well mm-hmm. as our LAUSD. They do, we do have some volunteers through those various organizations that are on site because we have after-school sites within a number of schools at LAUSD, and so the, we'll have volunteers there as well. So we do have a great network of volunteers, I must say. That's maybe where I saw the van. (laughs) Maybe that's where I saw the van years ago. Interesting. I just feel like I've seen that that Boys and Girls Club van somewhere because I know there are Boys and Girls Clubs. I mean, one of our Rotarians has been very involved in Boys and Girls Club. That's closer to where I live in the Venice area. Um, Well, you've talked about all of these incredible things that are happening but I, I am a little curious, I don't want to take us down a rabbit hole, but challenges in doing everything you've just talked about? Oh, yes, of course. So well, there's two challenges that I can think of right now that, you know, I'm always working ways around. And so one of which is the um, perception that because we're Boys and Girls Club of America, we must have millions and billions of dollars because Boys and Girls Club of America, the national organization, will receive many partnerships from our big corporate dollars, right? Coca-Cola, Big America, NFL, you name it. And they receive millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. Well, pass through to the local clubs, we don't always receive that funding or not always receiving the most amount. Like it's typically small dollars by the time it gets passed through to all the clubs, if you can imagine, if it's spread out between over 4,000 clubs, it becomes a small number. So fundraising is always super important to our clubs, um, especially during the pandemic, especially during now with our economic situation and inflation and fuel prices. As everything continues to go up, as costs do, Mm -hmm. it's even more important for us to continue to be able to raise the dollars to provide those services. And so... That would be the second challenge is receiving or finding funding for operational costs, right? We, we receive a ton of love and support and programs and dollars that are specifically earmarked for specific things, which is fantastic. Um, but I would say that the other challenge then is to being able to find the funding revenue and opportunities that provide for the operational side of things, being able to pay um, competitive prices for our part-time and full-time salary staff. When folks can go and work at a fast food restaurant and make more money, mm. that can be somewhat frustrating because we're very proud to say that we float between 12 and I believe 13% of every dollar um, is used for administrative costs or an expense. So the majority of the funds that we receive go right back to the kids. I think the golden standard is 
anything under 20% is, is the golden standard in the nonprofit world, and we're consistently floating at around 12%. So for us, finding the funding to continue to pay for our staffing, pay for the programs, pay the utilities. I mean, like I said, we have 25 vans. If you can imagine the cost of insurance and fuel Absolutely. alone to pick up kids every day. Um, I believe the last statistic was we needed to raise, um, I believe it's almost 50 grand a day just to operate. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's incredible. That's so, staggering. I that that shocks me. Wow. Because of the number of clubs that we manage and maintain, the number of staff we have over 170 uh, employed staff, and so you can imagine. And then of course the fuel, the insurance, the costs, the everything else for the facilities, and you name it. We can go down the list. <laughs> sure. So it's extremely expensive, but. We're very blessed with an amazing board of directors. We're blessed with an amazing senior leadership team that has a combined hundred years of service in the in the in the in the, the Boys and Girls Club movement. My my boss, our CEO, has thirty five plus years in Boys and Girls Club. So we have a remarkable team that's able to navigate those waters. And my job is to learn to navigate those waters with them, and that and being able to provide and bring in other opportunities and experiences that can bring money and funding to the club. So yes. as challenging as those are, that is, in the financial end of things, it's also just as much as a blessing because of the support that we have. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at a picture of you, Curtis, with your <laughs> um, executive director. Tell tell everybody about this award you got. Oh, you don't uh, want well, to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I just I did receive a National Service to Youth Award from Boys and Girls Club of America for five years of devoted service working in the community and working with our clubs. And so um, I was given this wonderful award for that and recognized for that service. And um, a handful of our board members received 10, 15, 20, 30-year awards um, for their service to the, the movement and to our clubs mm-hmm. and kids. And so I'm very honored to say that I've been able to serve this club for five years. In the fundraising and the nonprofit resource development world career field, there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot mm-hmm. of um, folks who come in with a great intention to want to do this job. And they quickly realize that it's not an art, it's science. It's very strategic <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. very challenging it has its challenges but on the other side of the coin it is equally rewarding and fulfilling knowing that what we're doing is quite literally changing and saving lives it's a blessing and you are so humble and all of us <laughs> that know you and that is well and you know <laughs> well you know and i was going to say on how you fit that in on top of everything else you do um, but we start early in the morning so that you can put in a 12-hour day, I guess. But um, I I think that, you know, when I look at the smile of you in this picture, standing with your CEO, it says everything about you because you are so genuine and you are so giving. And, and you've been doing this forever. I mean, it's just it's just inside you to be this kind of a person. And I'm just curious – you know, when you think about work and personal life balance, 
I know you have a doggy, um, but how, <laughs> yeah, Louie, right? Um, yeah. How how do you balance in your just in your life, Curtis? How do you balance everything? I realize we've got a big event coming up, so it's like, well, we're not having any balance for the next few days, Marsh. You can ask me about this next week. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, how do you balance your private life and your professional life so you have the energy to do all that you do? Yeah, well, I think it just comes from setting a healthy boundary and barrier, you know, of being able to know when to turn your brain off. It's very hard sometimes to turn your brain off. I wake up sometimes with my checklist already going, but I have to force myself to take a self-care Sunday, as I call it. I call Sundays my self-care Sunday, where I just, I go spend time with my dog, or I like to work Mm -hmm. out. I do kickboxing. I love kickboxing, and I like being active. During the summer, I'll go surfing. I call myself a summer surfer because it's too cold in the winter but I'll find (laughs) things to do and force myself to pull away knowing Mm -hmm. that the work will get done it will be Mm -hmm. here tomorrow and I need to take an opportunity for myself to recharge you know clear my mind and so that's what I do is I I force myself to step away from the work because when you're as involved as I am in this work and what we do in the community and you see the impact of the work that you do and you know that it's changing lives, you don't ever really want to stop. It just becomes your life. And so I have to also remind myself that it's a part of my life, but it is not my entire life. And when I'm able to do that and I can step aside for a day or an evening, like if I, it's 5.36 and I can choose to be here another two hours, of course, or I tell myself, no, I can do that tomorrow. I need to take this time now to go and do this or that, and I find opportunities to make sure that my own mental health is taken care of, and um, I'm able to unwind and decompress. That's why I love self-care Sundays. <laughs> you know, I, I, I relate to what you're saying. I, I don't make it to Sunday. I make it to Tuesday, and that's when I yep. I don't I work very hard at not having anything interrupt my one hour yoga class. It's online. I don't have to go anywhere, and um, like you, um, I I have a lot going on, and I you can only you you start to deplete. It's like you have no more to yep. give if you don't take that time. I try very hard not to answer any emails at night. Um, I know that many mm-hmm. people love reading, you know, give me the TV, especially if Clippers are playing, if there's a sports thing on or I'm watching The Voice or whatever I might be doing to just step aside and to try not to um, engage my brain with, oh, what do I have to do tomorrow? Oh, my God. Okay. Because <laughs> if we're organized, and you are, and I am, then we plan for the downtime so that we are not 100%. Um, we're not giving it up. We have just as much right. as you've planned for a meeting, you've planned for your Sunday to just do your kickboxing or, or go surfing in the summertime or just you know just taking a walk. I mean, my gosh, the yep. the sky has been so beautiful from all that rain. 
and sometimes you're still seeing the moon in the middle of the day practically um uh, we have a lot to be grateful for don't we yes a hundred percent and i think you know recognizing that yes my big music gala is coming up on thursday and the next couple of days are going to be a bit crazy it's not always like that right so taking advantage of the time when you do have some flexibility in your day of you know i'm going to I'm going to take half a day today because I have this opportunity, so I need to take advantage of that. So that does happen on occasion. And so just being mindful of that, I think it's just – and then sharing, right, best practices with people and asking Mm -hmm. other people who are just as busy and um, being able to reach out with your peers and and just share. Exactly. Because, you know, no – you don't know what you don't know. It's kind of one of my favorite words, uh, sayings that I say, but you don't know what somebody else is going through, but you do know what you're going through. And whether it's this big gala that you're going to have, I don't expect to see you on Wednesday, but um, the following week, hopefully. Um, you yeah, know, you know <laughs> or you'll be there Wednesday? Great. Well, all I can say is that you are always a breath of fresh air. You walk in Thank you. smiling. And, you know, smiling and kindness are contagious. It, it yeah. is contagious. It's pretty hard to have somebody smile at you and not smile back. And that's how exactly. I feel when I see you walk into the room with your smile, with your effervescence that you bring. And and that's the part of the beauty of who you are, Curtis. And And when you agreed to at the last moment... And it was the last moment. Don't think I don't realize that. To say, sure, Marsha, I can do this for you. Oh, my God, you can't even believe all the things that are going on. Now I'm going to do a podcast. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for just being who you are, the man that you are, because everybody that knows you benefits from that experience. And I'm just very grateful that you took the time to spend this time with me today. Well, thank you. I appreciate you for the opportunity of giving me this platform to share. I think, gosh, we could probably have a whole series of podcasts together if I wanted to go deeper into who I am and where I'm from and my life experiences growing up. But I think this platform sharing about my work and the the club and what the club has been able to do in the community is just so important. And I thank you you so much for the opportunity to share that. You're welcome. And you know, Curtis, you never know what impact a podcast like this can mean when somebody is listening to this somewhere that is nowhere near where you and I live and think, Mm -hmm. wow, I do have some spare time. I love music. I love entrepreneurship. I love the fact that Mm -hmm. there's this kindness club. I, I love children. My children are grown now. I don't have grandchildren. This would give me an opportunity to be with children because I've always loved that. Mm-hmm. All of those things are so doable. And and I just think that that's just another example of why podcasting for me has such importance. So I will let you get on with your day. I will look forward to seeing you on Wednesday. I'm sure you have a ton of meetings scheduled for right now. And I just want to thank you once again for joining me on the Born to Talk radio show podcast. 
Everybody have a wonderful day. Go out and smile at some to somebody. You just never know where that smile will lead. Bye for now, everybody. <laughs>